all of my life and in every season, you are still God. And I have a reason to worship. I have a reason to rejoice. I have a reason to celebrate. I have a reason to keep keeping on. And we all have a great reason to keep keeping on. And that is Jesus. Don't give up. Get up. You know, do you hear that throughout your life? Listen, honey, don't give up. Listen, son, don't give up. Listen, daughter, don't give up. Get up. Have you ever noticed in a race, oftentimes in a race, when people are racing, it gets exhausting. Now, I haven't done the 800 meter. I haven't been to the Olympics. I don't know why they never chose me, but I have a suspicion, probably because I never tried out. But I know one thing for certain. I get exhausted watching a race. It's tiring. And how many of you have ever watched after a, a race where there's, you know, the runners are engaged in that race and at the very end they can barely catch their breath. They're down on all fours, ready to have a heart attack, ready to just roll over and expire. Because that's what would happen to me. Your heart is racing. I want to give, uh, you know, great kudos to both Steve and to Tad for, for your heart for running the race. And I don't know how you guys do it, but I run a race every day. I get up out of my recliner and go to the next destination, which could be to the refrigerator or to the sink. I'm not sure, but I know one thing. I do not want to be exhausted. Who wants to be exhausted? Who wants to be tired? I hate the feeling of being tired. But one thing that I love, I love being free. There is nothing greater than freedom. There is nothing greater than victory. And isn't it amazing that in the midst of the race, oftentimes there's nobody standing at the finish line. Many times there's just people that encourage you through life, but oftentimes you're running and you notice to your right or to your left you have fans, you have loved ones. People are cheering you on. They see the victorious mentality that is within you. There's nothing worse than seeing a loved one who all of a sudden becomes so in bondage, tied down, beat up by hurts, hang-ups, or habits, and they're not free. But we're all still there cheering them on. We're all still there telling them, you can do it. Get up. Finish the course. I love what Paul said. One thing I know for certain that I'm going to finish this course with joy, the ministry that God has given to me. Because you see, he knew persecution. He knew it better than anybody else because he used to persecute those that were in the church. The world and some Christians have adapted to that same type of mentality, persecuting others instead of encouraging them and building them up and telling them that you have great potential. A family executing their carefully planned escape at midnight 
dashing for the border. A man standing outside of prison walls, gulping fresh air, feeling the new sun on his face. A young woman with every trace of ravaging drug gone from her system. The one thing they all have in common, they are free. With fresh anticipation, they too can begin life fresh and anew. Whether fleeing oppression, stepping out of prison, or breaking a strangling habit, freedom means life. There's nothing so exhilarating as knowing that the past is forgotten, that the new options await, because people yearn to be free. The book of Galatians is the charter of Christian freedom. So if you would please turn there with me. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Freedom means life. And that's where we're going to kind of focus on today, about giving up. About not giving up, but getting up. Paul proclaims the reality of our liberty in Christ. Freedom from the law and power of sin and freedom to serve our one and true living Lord. Here in this text, you'll see that Galatians was written to refute the Judaizers and to call believers back to the pure gospel. The good news is for all people, Jews And Gentiles alike. Salvation is by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus and nothing else. And faith in Christ means true freedom. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, will we reap a harvest of blessing if we don't? Lose heart if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. How many of you want to be free? Hallelujah. Many of us yearn to be free. We cry out for freedom. You know, there was uh, this past week, I want to thank uh, Jesse for sharing just how uh, Mr. Rogers made such an impact in our society. Right after Martin Luther King had passed away, how he was going to bring in African Americans into the TV, and he did such a great job. And I just, actually, it brought me to tears. But how many of you remember this? Mr. Rogers, won't you be, could you be, won't you be my neighbor? Now, I forgot my sweater, but I could act it out if you'd like. Oh, my daughter said yes. But I just wanted to bring back just a moment of true freedom and knowing what a good neighbor is all about. Because Mr. Rogers actually, he exhibited what it meant to be a great neighbor. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you, Would you be, be mine? mine? 
could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please, 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 won't you be my neighbor? Well, you know, as we look at this, you can't help but, but laugh. Doesn't it make you feel good? So look at the person next to you and say or in front of you, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> yeah. and, and you're like, how is Pastor Ashley going to bring this into this message today? I know you're all thinking I'm crazy right now. But in reality, it makes you happy. There's joy that comes with freedom. And this is what I want to talk about today. The joy of blessing someone else. And, and, and often we get so mixed up. And you heard us sing it in the songs. I mean, as the first song, the second song, the third song, all reference joy. Because when you walk in the newness of Christ, when you live in Christ, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then you become a different kind of neighbor. And so this morning I'm going to be looking at five points and I'll make it quick. Change your pace. Stay in the race. Look upon his face. Reflect on his grace. And keep looking into outer space. Now it was difficult, but I came up with all those to rhyme. And before long, I'll be having a spoken word and a rap to that. You'll have to come back to hear that. But anyhow, let us not lose heart in doing good. When you lose heart, you give up, you give in, you get tired of it all, and you quit. So now we fast forward. We went from, won't you be my neighbor, to this time when, you know, Mr. Rogers came on and his testimony and his story is just amazing. And many of us, you know, I have to tell you, I love Mr. Rogers. He was my inspiration. I just haven't found a red sweater yet. But I know this, that that man blessed generations because he exhibited kindness to others and so we move forward about 25 30 years and we go from mr rogers to you're my favorite you got a friend in me you've got a friend in me now you're looking at me like you've never Fuck seen this really Rough ahead and you're miles and miles from the nice warm like bed. Yeah, I don't get it. You just remember you what you were talking What are you looking you at? You got a friend in me. It's not a laser. Yeah, you it's got a little light bulb in me. me. What's with him? Razor and things. Look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Ah-ha, ah-ha. You got a friend in me. Now just take a... You got a all right, we, we can stop it. Now you guys kind of get the idea, don't you? you the Bible says... Hit it, Pastor Luke. You can cut it out. Okay, there you go. Thank you. You know how many people can say a friend sticks closer than a brother? How many people can say that, you know, there was once a time when, when we were just deeply in love as friends and, and as neighbors, and now today we've, we've gotten exhausted. We've run out of, of steam. 
we've run out of fuel. We've just run out of, of just the energy that it takes to stay in the race. One tired comedian once wrote, Are you tired? The population of this country is 220 million. Actually, because when this was written was years ago, today we're up to 350 million. But he says 220 million. Now watch. 84 million are over 60 years of age, which leaves 136 million to do the work. People under 20 years of age total 95 million, which leaves 41 million to do the work. There are 22 million who are employed by the government, which leaves 19 million to do the work. Four million are in the armed forces, which leaves 15 million to do the work. Deduct 14,800,000, the number in state and city offices, leaving 200,000 to do the work. There are 188,000 in hospitals and sane asylums, etc. That leaves 12,000 people to do the work. Now, it may interest you to know that there are 11,998 people in jail. So that leaves just two people to carry the load, and that's you and me. And I'm getting tired of doing everything myself. That's it. It's compassion fatigue. It's well-doers burnout. It happens sometimes when a very dedicated, committed disciple of Jesus suddenly wakes up and realized that he was just tired. Tired of giving, tired of doing, and tired of serving. He finds that the joy of service is gone. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that this morning we can come before you. Lord, as we hear from your word in the next few minutes, Lord, help us to continue to stay focused. And Lord, help us to take your word and adapt it to our life. Help us to be better for you, not bitter for you. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Let your spirit speak to the hearts of every person in here. Fill me with your power. Hide me behind your cross. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Change your pace. I read about a woman who telephoned a friend and asked how she was feeling. Terrible, came the reply over the wire. My head's splitting and my back legs are killing me. The house is a mess and the kids are just simply driving me crazy. And very sympathetically, the caller said, Listen, just go and lie down. I'll come over right away and cook lunch for you. I'll clean up the house, take care of the children while you get some rest. And by the way, how is Sam? Sam, the complaining housewife, gasped. I have no husband, Sam. My heavens, explained the first woman. I must have dialed the wrong number. I'm really sorry. There was a long pause. And the tired, exhausted mother asked, hopefully, Are you still coming over? Those of us with children are prone to say to those with little ones, and some of you can relate, enjoy it, because it'll be over sooner than you think. We may have forgotten that it doesn't look that way when you still have two in diapers or a house full of teenagers. And it is amazing knowing that Megan just graduated, and so we have three out, one in. It's amazing. 
and was saying that, please pray for, for the Gurglies as Seth is on his way to Indiana to Purdue. And Lindsay rode with the family as he starts college tomorrow. So he is there, and it's going to be a sweet but bitter goodbye. But he will be back home here in August, and, uh, you know, he needs our prayers. But we know that oftentimes, sometimes we complain about raising our children. But listen, it's only but a moment. I mean, I remember when the girls were one, two, three, and six. That was exhausting. When you have toddlers going all kinds of different directions, we were busy, busy people. Sometimes we do get weary. Listen, we find parents get weary. Those who serve a long time get weary. Those who have seen few results can feel the weariness of well-doing. Those experiencing temporary failures can feel weary. Those who are rejected by others sometimes want to quit. Those who are lonely can begin to become weary of well-doing. The criticized, after a while, can become weary. Amen. I hear you. Those who get caught up in comparison set themselves up for weariness and well-doing. Those who are loved feel the weariness as well. Those experiencing poor health can feel weary. So this morning you say, but I have been tired. I just feel like I've been tired physically. I've been tired mentally. I've been tired emotionally. I've been tired financially. I've been tired in every facet from, from the spiritual part of it, every component of my life. I am tired. You say, well, pastor, what's the solution? The solution is this. Rest, regroup, and renew your spirit. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Those that wait upon the Lord shall be renewed. Even the strongest people get tired sometimes. I know I get tired. I get exhausted. How many of you feel like that in this heat? You walk outside, you don't do anything, and you're exhausted. You're exhausted sometimes just feeling like if you have a chore to do, I'm just tired. But listen, God is never too tired or too busy to help and to listen. His strength is our source of strength. And when you feel all of life crushing you, and you cannot go another step, change your pace. Remember, you too can call on God to renew your strength. I love what the scripture says. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Many of us don't cry out to God and say, hey, I need you for my strength. This morning in our FAQ class, we were talking just about, you know, what sin does in our life and addictions and the habits that just seem to encompass us and control us. But the only way you'll ever get freedom from it is if you turn from your wicked ways and seek his face. Then he'll hear from heaven. He will heal you. And only God can do that. In your weakness, he will make you strong. So maybe if you've detoured just a little bit, change your pace. Number two, 
get back into the race. 1 Corinthians 15.58. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be as steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that even in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Peter references our beloved Paul. And he speaks to him and says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Stay in the race. And even though sometimes you feel like you're gasping for that last breath, You need just a little bit more air to keep going. And I know that in the ministry, Satan is on your heels. And it reminds me that even in our race, even physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sometimes Satan can just get a hold of us and then just get us so exhausted that we say, serving God is not worth it. But he said, stand firm, be unmovable, have peace in your heart. And peace can only come. By walking in Him. says this, be unmovable. You know what I think of unmovable? I think of sometimes when you see a guy who pours concrete. And when he pours concrete, you go out there and you put your feet in that concrete. And you hang out for just an hour and a half on a nice hot day. What's going to happen? The concrete hardens up, right? And I think that's how we should be in Christ. Unmovable. And when Satan starts to push on us, or to pull on us, to try to move us, and to try to influence us, and try to distract us, we should say, oh no, there's only one person that brings me peace, and that's my Savior, Jesus Christ. For I'm unmovable. I'm like a guy who put his feet in concrete. I loved it the other day. I was walking out on my front sidewalk, and last year we had them come in and remove this tree. I hate trees. And, you know, when you finally get a pool, our last house had a bunch of trees. I was over trees. If you have trees, may the Lord be with you every day because they're dirty and they're nasty. And many of you know that in the cleaning industry, (laughs) I hate dirt. And so I loved when I saw that tree disappear because now those little things that fall to the ground no longer get drug in our house because I have obsessive compulsive disorder and I'm in there sweeping and vacuuming and mopping. I hated that tree. And whoever puts ugly trees in a nice development and who puts ugly trees in any development I, it it really was just kind of like a source of irritation for me. And so because it was a stumbling block in my life, I decided to cut out that distraction. I called them and said, remove that tree. It's messed up my sidewalk. See how that works? I'm just helping all of you that are listening today and all of you that, that are out here. If you need to get rid of a tree in your, in the, in the sidewalk berm there, whatever that thing's called again, devil strip. Thank you. See devil strip. I knew it. There was a word from the Lord. You remove it. And then you have victory. So what I did was I went out there. I waited for them to lay the concrete. And I, I was kind of looking to my left and looking to my right. I felt like I was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out there. I want to put my whole foot in that concrete. Then I thought, that's probably not a good idea. I know you can get like Lyme disease. No, no, just kidding. Like Lyme or something. It can mess up your skin. And what happens if I put it in there, can't get off my foot? You know, all these things. So I went out there and wrote my name in that concrete. Todd and Becky. 
with a heart. <sighs> Just did something for me. And then when I walk by and I see Todd and Becky in that concrete, it's unmovable. They're not getting rid of our name in that concrete. And so I put our date there when we moved in the house and, and we made that change. But even though there's distractions, and even though things don't always go the way you think they ought to go, listen, stay in the race. I never thought, I, I really didn't. I had this whole thing pictured out in my head when I was a youth pastor and when we started at New Hope coming on 13 years. But when I just, I said to myself, you know what, this is going to be different. We're going to love people differently. They're, they're, it's just going to be different. And we're, Brother R.A. Vernon, he doesn't have a thing on me. We're going to be just like the word church. We're going to have 20,000 busting out of the seams. That's not always the case. And, and here's the reality. Because sometimes we're just not planted. We're just not rooted in the word. And so what happens is we fall out of the race. We give up when we should be getting back up. Number three. In Colossians chapter 3, let's look at that together. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to focus on verse 23, but I want to read the chapter. And I love this because it, it talks about walking in the newness of life. And in Colossians chapter 3, you know, as I've given this illustration before, when I say when we look on the face, and I understand in Scripture that many didn't look on the face of God and they didn't see the face of God, but they saw the face of Christ. And I said, one nod from God can change the course of our life. But when we look upon his face and we see, you know, it's just like a parent. If they're pleased in what we do, you get a smile. And you can just see in your mom's eyes or in your father's eyes, man, they are pleased with what I'm doing. But I'm going to tell you this, Todd, Michael, when you're not good... I can, you know, we as children, we know that. We can see it in our parents' eyes, right? You know that there is something not going to be good about your bottom in about five minutes because you're going to get the whooping of your life. And so, you know, we realize that um, when we look upon the face of even Christ, well, that was actually my twin sister. She got more whippings than I did. I'm just putting that down in record. And, uh, on, and so everybody heard that, right? Just kidding. And, uh, but it is the truth. Is that true? Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you just took away that whole illustration. Anyhow, so uh, with that being said, when we look on and we seek the face of God versus his hands, we're looking at pleasing him versus getting something from him. Colossians chapter 3. I like what the New Living Translation has to say, and I know I'm back bounce back and forth from the KJV to this. But it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. 
You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Wow. Verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people, he loves you. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God and thankful hearts and whatever you do or say. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit your Submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged and angry. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Verse 23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You know what it says there? Set your affection on things above, not things of this earth. Set your sight. Set your mind. And set your emotions on things above. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it says even in the Bible, it says, because it is written, what? Be ye holy. For it is written, I am holy. So we understood that. Be very, very careful. For what you make your focus, you become. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears and guard your life. Like the old hymnal that says, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. What an awesome, awesome day that will be. And then we look at reflect upon his grace. And Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 9, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your sins, used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in this unseen world. He is the spirit at work in hearts at those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Our very nature 
We were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us within him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us is shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So it says, for by grace you are saved when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us a long time ago. I love the word grace in the Bible. It's unmerited favor. Not as the result of any effort or ability or intelligent choice or act of service on our part. Because you see, in salvation, men deserve hell. But in salvation, we obtain heaven. This cannot be apart, or this cannot be explained apart from God's grace. When Paul met the Lord on the Damascus Road, Paul was persecuting the church. Yet God made him out of the church's, one of the church's chief preachers. We need to remember that we are saved, given the Holy Spirit, and allowed to serve God by his grace so church listen when we look at this if you're walking in christ and you start to practice living a life that reflects his grace i met a young man he was uh, yesterday i had gotten this furniture for my front porch and as i was at lowe's he was helping me and he's from louisiana his name is will and uh, he and i got to to talk, and we unloaded the two chairs and uh, put them in my back of the truck. And as we were talking, I said, tell me a little bit about yourself. So why are you here? And he says, well, I'm, I actually got a scholarship for football. And, uh, he, and I said, really? And uh, I said, what's your position? He said, running back. And cool dude. And so he was, you know, as he was explaining all this to me, he said, I got a scholarship and I love being here. And I said, great. And, and I said, what's your major? And he said, I'm going for, uh, to become an entrepreneur. And I said, oh, that's awesome. I said, you know, business administration, management, everybody should do it. I think because every part of our lives always deals with some facet of management. So as we were there, I said, so are you a Christian? He goes, yes. Matter of fact, I actually lead uh, FCA at Kent State University. I said, that's awesome. And I said, so what are your plans in the future? I said, because I'm kind of excited. I said, uh, I'm a preacher. We run a janitorial custodial company. And the reason why I asked that was because, you know, you can still serve the Lord and you can work hard. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, because you see, God's grace can be found all over. He goes, God's grace has been really on me since I came up here. This will be my senior year. Kent State hasn't done that well in football. But he said, other than that, you know, I've really seen the power of God. And I said, listen, one day of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. You can labor your whole lifetime and it not put you where one day of favor can place you. Do you know what favor is? Favor is the unmerited grace of God. You can work hard. You can work hard. You can, you can, you know, try to go uh, become a, a pro uh, athlete playing football. But at the very end, 
what are you doing? You can labor, 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 but if you don't have God's unmerited grace, you have nothing. He's like, wow. I really appreciate that. 21 years of age, going into senior year, hasn't, you know, going back and forth in regard to what he's going to do. But I, I, I loved this young man. I loved his, matter of fact, let me just tell you, he has dreadlocks that come down to here. He's just cool. And every time I go there, when we redid our backyard this past year, Will helped me load up the trees. And if I've ever had to get mulch, he always puts it, he just seems to be there every time. Do you think that's by, by mistake? No. God placed him there for he and I to talk, just like he did Kevin and I. It wasn't by accident that Kevin and Nitra, when I was cleaning those windows, they walked by. Because we're to stop and show people grace no matter what we're doing. Why are we in such a hurry? Why have we fallen out of the race? Why have we forgotten? And now my dear brother and sister get to come down here and we get to fellowship. Because see, it doesn't stop here on this earth. We'll get to be in heaven one day rejoicing, worshiping, praising, kneeling at the feet of Jesus together. That's what life's about. So when you seem to fall out of your track, out of the race, get back in and remember, time is short. Remember, one day of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. You can labor your whole lifetime and then I'll put you where one day a favor can place you. Last point as we close. Keep looking into outer space. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Keep looking into outer space. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 10. It says here in verse 6, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Keep looking into outer space, as that's exactly what they were doing those disciples, it says in First Thessalonians 5, 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So even though we get weary, listen, it says that some will be working, some will be sowing. Some will be so busy doing so many things that we will forget when the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Are you ready to meet him? Have you given you're all to him. Are you still in the race? Are you, keeping, are you keeping your eyes focused on him? And church, may I just encourage you that if you have lost your way, if maybe there's something in your life where you feel, I've just lost my focus, man, just stop and cry out to God. For he is the healer of your heart. He's the healer of your soul. So don't grow weary. Don't give up. Get up. Won't you be? Could you be? Would you please be my neighbor? Because you have a friend in me.
You have a friend in me. Can we really say that? Thank you, honey. My daughter's always there to, to back me up. My, the do whopper. So as I conclude and I say this, as you near the end of your long race, your leg aches, your throat burns and your whole body cries out for you to stop. This is when friends and fans are the most valuable. Their encouragement helps you push through pain to the finish line. In the same way, Christians, as to encourage one another, a word of encouragement offered at the right time can be the difference between finishing well and collapsing along the way. Look around you. Be sensitive to others' needs for encouragement. And offer supportive words. Or supportive actions. And encourage them not to give up, but to get up. Do you see something? And I'm just going to bring this out because I'm going to do this again. I'm going to use you as an illustration. Thank you for being here, Kevin and Anitra. Come on, brother. You, You know what's great about people you meet that you don't even know. We have something that's in common. And that's Christ. But I will tell you this. In the midst of those days I felt discouraged, you just gave me hope. Because you're a man of your word. And you said you were going to come here. And you came. And so for that, I'm thankful. And now there is a reason. why today, we had church. These doors were open because you made it possible to have them here. You made it possible for Billy to come from Wisconsin to be here. And you see, that's how God works all things out. Have I been tired in the race of life? Yes. Have I wanted just to beat my head up against the wall? Yes. Have I been tired? Yes. But when the music fades and all goes away, all I want to do is give him my heart of worship. And then I'm reminded, oh, one nod from God at the end of my finish line will change the course of my life. Todd, stay in the race. And when you get discouraged and you get tired, know that your pastor's praying for you. Maybe change your pace. Maybe stop and reflect and rest Revive yourself. Get around other Christians. Let them just pour into your life. Let your sisters pour into one another's lives. Brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, pour into one another's lives. Encourage one another. And the next time it happens, just bring someone's face from a frown to a smile. And just break out in song. Won't you be? Could you please? Won't you be my neighbor? Because I do know this. You have a friend in Jesus. You can come to him today. So wherever you're you're at, whatever you've been struggling, just come to him. Because you have a friend in him. Let's all stand as we close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you. Father, that you 
encourage us through a man who used to persecute the church, yet was imprisoned. God, you put him there so that he could sense and feel your presence. So, Lord, when we become weary, change our pace. Help us, Father God, to stay in the race. Not look at what's going on around us, but to look upon your face and, Lord, to change the course of our life. And, Father, then we can reflect upon your grace and thank you for what all you've done in our life. Until that great victorious day, for those that know you, we'll continue to look to that eastern sky. And as we look into outer space, Father, we'll await your return. Father, today, thank you for putting everything and everyone aside. We have a friend in you. God, we come before you today in this song of reflection and in this song of worship. Lord, we worship you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us life and gives it to us abundantly. Father, if there's someone here today that needs you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that you'll prick upon their heart. They'll bow their knee before you and that they'll change from the old man and walk in the newness of life. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Remain standing.